Welcome to the Middle of Culture. I'm one of your hosts, Eden. And I'm Cassie. Hi, Cassie. You're not my usual co-host. Who are you? Nope. I am your wife. <laughs> I'm my wife. <laughs> I, you set me up for that. That's you. That's your fault. That Borat was your fault, not my fault. Hmm. I, as a partner to a wife am contractually obligated when someone <laughs> refers to my wife to go my wife it's the law <laughs> according to the rules thanks Borat <laughs> thank you Sasha Baron Cohen for ruining all of us forever um anyway uh Peter is not going to be joining us on this episode he's been busy with some family stuff and some life stuff but we wanted to get a podcast uh, in the feed this week. So my wife, Cassie, was very kind and offered to chat with me. And we're going to have a chat about stuff. And it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be so good. It's going to be the best. I don't know about that. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> I'm just talking about my own personal contribution, not yours. Mm. Your half will, of course, be the best. Yeah, there you go. Um, so we always start the podcast, Cassie, chatting about what we've been, you know, checking out in terms of pop culture stuff in the last little bit. So what have you been watching or reading or listening to? What's caught your interest lately? Are we talking about current media or Here's the thing. Or not? We're not promoting any specific thing. Okay. So we are not talking for 45 minutes about why Barbie was or wasn't a good movie. Gotcha. But you can say, hey, I watched this show, or hey, I watched this movie, because we're not doing promotion and critique. We're okay. just mentioning okay. these are things that we've been participating in that are interesting to talk about. Okay. Um, well, let's see. I have been watching Chicago Fire. Chicago Fire. Which, like... There should be more firefighter shows in general. There should be way more firefighter shows than cop shows. We've been talking about this. Yep. Tell me why. Uh-huh. Uh, it's better. <laughs> because firefighters work together and save people's lives. That is the whole objective of the of each episode. <laughs> and, and like listeners, no. I'm an ACAP girly. Like, I do not believe in the institution of the police, and I believe they should be abolished. Even if Peter might not necessarily share those radical views um, with me. Um, but I think you're a little bit more on that end, and I think that <laughs> the fire state, the fire department is an interesting counterpoint to the cop show. Yes. Which is often about, like, catching the bad guy, which is not what cops actually do. Right. And also is usually, like... Like, a rogue cop is, like, the only one who can, like, get justice for somebody, right? Whereas, like, in the firefighter shows, you can't go on your own. Then you die. Going rogue means you are toasted. (laughs) And also, it means that you're putting the rest of your team at the rest of your team at risk also and so you really have to like be more community minded and more team oriented and i'm into that and it's almost like deep down you're a communist and you think that we should work together almost like i think community matters almost yeah so you've been enjoying chicago fire yep and then also taskmaster which is a british show taskmaster that's one we could definitely talk about because that is not covered by sag after (laughs) what's taskmaster it is a british show hosted by comedians that has guest comedians on it and they just do absurd tasks Uh and uh and then they get ranked What are some examples of some absurd tasks? Um, Okay, so in one of the episodes I just watched, which is from season four, I think, or series four, because they call season series, um, 
they had to... It's always, like, five comedians who are guests on the show. And they had to... Um, take a skateboard and load it up with as many coconuts as they could and whoever had the most coconuts still on their skateboard at the end of the little ramp would win and they could use materials from this little caravan that was next to the ramp Um, but if they used the same materials as another contestant then they would both get no points a word that's an interesting wrinkle Mm -hmm. so like there were probably some like really obvious things like tape or glue. Yeah. Well, so for but, example, like, you know, well, shit, Jenny's definitely going <laughs> to use tape because she's basic. So I can't use tape because well, Jenny's going to use tape. So they had in the caravan on the table, there was this box that said on it coconut harness. <laughs> and it was just a box that you opened it up and it had little like spots like an egg carton kind of like where you could fit i think 18 coconuts oh boy and every person picked it up and went well everyone's gonna use this and so then nobody used it and nobody just (laughs) decided to do take the gamble of right everyone is saying everyone's using this so no one's gonna use it so i'm gonna use it but what happened is two people used a curtain and so they were both disqualified oh that's rough Mm -hmm. it's real rough yep Anyway, yeah, I have watched that show over your shoulder. When we when we were visiting your family a month or two ago, we watched, like, the entire first series in, like, one sitting. Because, you know, there's, like, five episodes or whatever. And it's a pretty entertaining show. Yeah. Yeah. it's a, I'm a big fan. What, it, what have you been reading, listening to? Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I always keep things I've talked a couple times on the podcast. My little notebook. <laughs> I have to consult my tome. So that I know what I've been watching and reading because my brain doesn't work right. Have you described this notebook on the podcast? You mean my Golden Girls planner that mm-hmm. I cover with with uh, stickers? We have. One time when Peter was talking about his, like, organizational stuff, and I was like, my organizational stuff is a Golden Girls planner <laughs> that they sold in Target for, like, three weeks in New Year's 2021, and I had to buy three copies of it online from ebay so that i could still use it because i like it um so that's a deep cut for listeners of things that i do um let's see a couple things worth mentioning i played a couple of rpgs in the last couple of weeks which Mm. is applicable to what me and peter were going to talk about and we'll likely talk about in the next episode where we'll be doing some goofy rpg ranking um and i played all of Pillars of Eternity. I actually beat it this morning before I went to work. Ooh. Uh, and Pillars of Eternity is an interesting game because both complementarily and derogatorily, it feels like you're playing a game from 1998, even though it's a game from 2017. Okay. Because, like, the systems that it uses are the exact same systems and, like layout and UI design of Baldur's Gate, which is a 1998 game. Sure. And, like, it offers a lot of nostalgia because it feels like you're playing a game that you played when you were 15. If you played those kinds of games. If you you played that kind of game when you were 15. Again, this will be relevant to our conversation (laughs) in a few minutes. I was going to say, are you getting too deep into your next episode? Or or later in this episode, Mm -hmm. for that matter. Yeah. Um... But also it just feels really dated because mm-hmm. of that. Sure. Because those mechanics aren't great and that UI isn't stellar. 
And it was really interesting because uh, it's made by Obsidian, and they've made a whole bunch of games. They're a studio that I generally really like. And they made a game that came out late last year, early this year, called Pentiment, that I think is a really stellar video game. Um, and it's like a weird adventure game set in the late medieval period, um, where everything is done in like the style of illuminated manuscripts. And I think it's really dope. But I read an interview when it came out with Josh Sawyer, who is like one of the like creative leads at Obsidian, talking about his experience in other games. And he talked about the Pillars games, because uh, there's a sequel that I just started this evening. And he called them his most compromised works. Hmm. Because, not because it wasn't the story that he wanted to tell, but just because they were both Kickstarter games. And that was, this was... Obsidian is now owned by Microsoft, so they've got more money than God at this point, and they can basically do whatever they want, which is how you make a game about an adventure game murder mystery set in the 1500s that looks like an illuminated manuscript. It's when Microsoft buys you, and you're like, let's fucking throw the Microsoft money around. But before you get bought by Microsoft, then you need to go to Kickstarter. And then you kickstart a game, and you get 77,000 people to give in to your Kickstarter, who all just want Baldur's Gate. So then, regardless of what choices you would have made during production to like streamline or modernize or change those mechanics and those systems, that's not what those 77,000 people who gave you Kickstarter money want. So mm -hmm. you are constrained, kind of. I think that's what it came down to, is he felt like he was mechanically constrained sure. in those two games. Whereas they don't have to do that anymore. Like, the game that they announced that is their next big game is set in the same world as Pil of Pillars of Eternity, but, like, it's not this kind of game. It's, like, it's an Elder Scrolls game. It's, like, a first-person game where I'm going to be going around and, like, shooting spells at people and, like, firing arrows in people's faces and cool shit like that. Like, <laughs> it's going to be cooler than an isometric CRPG. But I did really like the story of Pillars of Eternity, so... What did you like about it? I just thought it was a really interesting, like, fantasy world that they built. Because it was, like, it's a unique fantasy world, as far as I know, that they built for this game. It's not like a and d game where they're just like, oh, Baal is here because he's one of the gods from Dungeons and & Dragons. And mm -hmm. we've got elves that, we've got Drizzt in here from the books. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a different creature in that way. And I thought that the cosmology in the world they built was interesting. Um... And I'm, in, I mean, again, while I don't think it was a, a perfect game, I thought it was fun enough, and I started the second one earlier today, and I'm gonna probably play the second one. And then the big thing is I beat Starfield. Oh, no yeah, big, no big deal. Uh, look, sometimes you just play a game, and then you think to yourself, because it's a Bethesda game, I can just beat the main quest and then just keep futzing around afterwards. Oh, contrary, mon frere, you beat this game, and then it's like. You beat it. Do you want to do a new game plus? You want to start again? You want to do it again? You want to start it all over again? Because you're des it's designed to be played multiple times, which is not a thing that Bethesda's ever done in their games before. Mm. Which is interesting, but I really liked that game. So are you going to play it again? Yeah, I'm just taking a break and playing some other stuff for a while, but sure. I got that new game plus started, and I'll probably go back and be the starborn for a bit. Nice. Uh, I really liked it. Um, and I think Peter and I will be talking about it in a couple weeks, so I'll save my thoughts till then, but I thought it was dope. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is I recently read the novel, 
over the course of like a day. I read the novel The End We Start From, uh, which is by Megan Hunter. Oh, yeah. You were telling me about this before. Yeah. And it's a novel that is basically uh, like poetry in prose about a climate crisis refugee. Which seems heavier, and it's a heavy book, but, like, it's heavy in its, like, emotional weight from a poetic standpoint, rather than from, like, it shows you lots of, like, really heavy imagery, because there's not a whole lot of imagery in that way in the book. It's a lot of poetic license. It's got really, really dreamy prose, the way that it's written, Um, and it's very quiet and very lonely and very... Uh, it's not very specific. It's not very concrete. And I think that works to the strength of the book. You can tell that this woman was a poet and then decided to write a novel after she had a kid. Because that's what this book... You can tell that this is a book that a woman wrote, a poet wrote after she became a mom. Mm. And like... I don't say that to be disparaging. I thought it was really beautiful. I read it, like I say, in like less than 24 hours. I read like 65% of it just laying in bed one night and then finished it the next afternoon as soon as I got home from work. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really stellar. But it does bear the hallmarks of a first novel um, and a holy shit, my life just changed on my mom now novel. Mm -hmm. Because that's what the premise of the book is. It is a woman who has a baby on the day that London floods because of climate crisis. And Mm. so she and her partner and their brand new baby become refugees the day that baby is born. Yikes. Um, Because the city they live in floods Mm -hmm. and they can't go home because Mm -hmm. there's no home to go to. Sure. And then it basically charts the next year of this woman's life uh, being a climate refugee. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really good, though. I really recommend it. I thought it was really dope. Uh, I read it because I saw the trailer for the movie, um, which is due out. It's been to a couple of film festivals. And I think it's due out this holiday season. The reviews are saying it's a perfectly three out of five movie, which okay. doesn't surprise me. I would give the book higher marks than that. I thought the book was better than that, but I don't know how you turn this dreamy, poetic book into a movie that's good. I think it's just going to be okay. Sure. But we'll see when it comes out. Yeah, there are some stories that lend themselves to different storytelling mediums and others that, like, are really at home in their original format. I agree. Yeah. And, like, it's not that the story couldn't be told well in film, but the way that the story was told in prose cannot be transferred to film without it being, like, a very esoteric tone piece, which is not the sort of movie that Benedict Cumberbatch produces and has a cameo, like a small role in. Like, it's not the movie that's supposed to be Jodie Comer's turning, star turn, which is what this movie is supposed to be. Sure. So, we'll see though. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's what we've been up to. Yeah. Um, but tonight, we wanted to chat a little bit about video games, actually. So it is apropos of what we were discussing earlier, and we just kind of wanted to chat a little bit about, like, what is our what are our experiences playing video games? What do we like in video games? What do we not like in video games? And like I don't know, just chat about stuff like that. So Cassie, what is your experience with video games? Like when growing up, what was cuz like we are of that generation 
that potentially all grew up with Nintendos and Sega Genesis's and things like that in our house. But I don't think either of us grew up with that shit. No. So my experience growing up was we didn't get a game system until I was kind of older. And so most of my video game experience was at friends' houses, which meant they were all really good at those games because they played them all the time. And I had never played them before, and so I was terrible. <laughs> and so they would often, like, no, like when it was collaborative or co-op games, like, nobody ever wanted to be on my team because I didn't, like, know how the controllers worked. And, like, it, and it was not fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. What about, like, not console games, like computer games? Oh, yeah. We had computer games. Like, I remember uh, my mom would only buy us, like, educational games when they were, like, on CD-ROM. Sure. So we had uh, Treasure Mountain, which was a math game. (laughs) And uh, you had to, like, do math equations when the, like, bad guys were attacking you to, like, defeat them. And... um, Why not? Yep. And there was another... maybe, Maybe it was Treasure Mountain... There was one of the games where you had to go to the like market to get tools and stuff for your mission, and um, and there was a little shopkeeper lady who would always say "Thank you, dearie," and my <laughs> and my, my brothers and I like still will say that to each other. <laughs> That's from that whatever game. <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, and then we also had um, computer games that like started to come on computers. So like the um, Mac computers. What were the ones that had the colored case? Oh, the iMac. The iMac. Yes. Hell so yeah! I, what an iconic! Like, yeah. I am not really a big like late '90s, early 2000s nostalgia person. Translucent plastic <laughs> electronics, however, get me. Yeah. I am here for a translucent plastic electronic. Yeah. So I had a tangerine <laughs> iMac in my room. Oh, damn. Tangerine, yes. of course. Yeah. Well, that was before the orange. Was it before the orange before the, the, orange. the orange infection yes. in your life? Yes. And um, it was uh, just Kismet. Yes. And uh, there was a game on there called Nanosaur, I think. That where you played as a dinosaur and you were like exploring the like prehistoric times and like collecting dinosaur eggs. Was that like, the one that we found on that abandonware site? Yes, it yes. was. And it was so fun, but it was also kind of glitchy. Sometimes you would get like stuck in a wall and you would have to just like hard reboot and start over. And there were like different save points. And so if you had to hard, if you got stuck in a wall before you had done a save point, you had to go all the way back to the last save point. And I really liked that game. I got really into that game. Um, and then also uh, Rocket's New School by Purple Moon. Oh, yeah. Purple Moon. <laughs> <laughs> and so that one is like a storytelling game. It's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure where you are Rocket and you are new in school, as the <laughs> title suggests. <laughs> And very evocative title. Yes, and your like menu, I guess, is your, your her locker. So like the game starts out and you and it opens the locker and you can like see all the different, um, different like 
ways that you can start your day. <laughs> and so you can like make friends with different people and you can like join different activities. And then of course, like the choices that you make then like influence the story that's told with the game. It's almost like a visual novel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause like you've had, you've played some of those like phone game visual novels and stuff. Yeah. Was that sort of how it worked? Like it wasn't like it, there wasn't like, gameplay outside no. of conversation yeah. and choices. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I really liked I really liked that game too. I remember that was one we also found on an abandoned wear site. Didn't work. But like no one could get the SFV just to run right. And yeah. like everyone was like, I'm so glad that someone has found this, but this ISO will not work on any device. It was very tragic. It really was. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to just figure out how to port it to a uh, browser window so you can just play it on a browser window. Right? Yeah. Because, of course, Purple Moon is a defunct company. Oh, yeah. This is, a, this yeah. is abandonware, mm. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's like... Yeah, so what was the first console y'all had? I couldn't tell you because I didn't play with it. <laughs> okay. But it was like when you were like teen, like late teens or mid teens, like. Yeah, it was probably. I don't know. My brothers could tell you for sure. It was probably when I was in middle, like late middle school. I want to say, so like eighth grade. So like, turn of the century. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is wild, but yes, correct. So like N sixty four probably. Sure. Did the, did the controller look like a piece of shit? I did not play with it. Okay. I cannot right. tell you. That's, <laughs> because, that's me just saying that the N64 <laughs> has the worst controller because I think it's garbage. Because at that point, I had already had so many negative experiences playing console video games at other people's houses that I was like, I am not interested in engaging with this media. I am not good at that. That's fair. Yeah. That's really fair. Mm-hmm. Also, I did forget to mention, um, like, Solitaire and uh, Minesweeper. Classics. Everyone played those Classics. My dad was really into playing Hearts on the computer. Oh, hell yeah. I I tried it a couple times. I couldn't figure it out. There was also a card game that wasn't Solitaire. It was... Free Cell? Yes. I was always... I could never grok Free Cell. Like, Solitaire, I'm in. I love Solitaire. Draw one, great. Draw three, less good, but I'll figure it out. (laughs) Free cell, I could not, I couldn't crack it. Oh, I was really into free cell. And then spider solitaire. Do you remember spider? Oh, solitaire? maybe that was it. Maybe it was spider solitaire that I really liked. I mean, they're pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, also that was like when I was in elementary school, so it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. You know, you could install those on your new computer if you wanted. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I need to use my computer to be productive. <laughs> some of us, some of us use our computers for multiple uses. Yeah, um, but what was your first console that you had? Uh, so before <laughs> I was born, my parents purchased. So in the late 1900s. In the late 1900s. In the mid 1900s, before you were born. <laughs> the mid to late. Mid to late. Um. Almost over 40 years ago now. Yeah. Oh, my God. So Uh, half a century ago, your parents uh, bought... (laughs) um, Anyway, before I was born, my parents bought an Atari 5200, which was 
Atari made two big consoles. They made the 2600 and the 5200. Why did they pick those numbers? God only knows. I don't. <laughs> um, but we had the 5200, which was like the bigger, like nicer one um, with slightly better graphics. It was like four bit graphics instead of two bit graphics. Whoa. I'm saying. <laughs> um, and they like had a bunch of the games that they had purchased on clearance because we st- all still had the games in their original boxes and many of them still had these enormous like fluorescent orange like clearance normally $59.99 on sale for $13. Oh, geez. Here's the thing. Like, People bitch and moan about how expensive video games are today because, like, within the last year or two, the main release price raised from $60 to $70, but they've been $60 since before we were born. (laughs) If they had raised with inflation, Mm -hmm. buying Final Fantasy 16 should have cost you, like, $130, not $70. But, like, everyone flipped their lids when everything went from $60 to $70. Mm -hmm. And, like... That's, you'll still that's, see. That's why you got to gradually raise prices. And you'll still see publishers being like, still only $60. And people are like, hell yeah. And I just want to be like, this is, this is going to be weird esoterica that comes from working in a comic book store. But like, they're not going to stay $60. Mm-hmm. Those people are going to be the people who go to $80 first. Yep. Because that is exactly what happened with comics. Because a decade ago, most comics were two ninety nine, but Marvel started raising the price of a lot of their books to three ninety nine, mm-hmm. and DC would put in big letters on the cover, holding the line at two ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Guess which publisher today has way more books on the shelf that are four ninety nine as a rule, not like <laughs> special more pages issues. It's just the fucking comic is five dollars now. It's DC. Marvel, unless it is like a special, a special issue with extra pages, that's just still three three ninety nine. It's DC who has jumped from holding the line at two ninety nine to every Batman and Superman book you can put your put money on is five bucks. Sure, I think that's interesting, and that's what's going to happen with video games. It's all those people who are like, no, we respect the gamer and are staying at sixty dollars. No, those people will be charging a ninety in three years. Mm-hmm. Mark my words. Yeah. But, uh... So, anyway. So anyway, Atari 5200. Yep. It had all the classics on it. Mm-hmm. Pac-Man. Dig Dug. Centipede. <laughs> Asteroids. Breakout. Moon Patrol. Yeah. The good stuff. When you said Pac-Man, my eyes got big because I forgot about my Pac-Man story. Tell your Pac-Man story. Yeah. So, we were on vacation in Banff, or Banff, as we called it. <laughs> Because of the double F's? Because <laughs> of the double F's. And the, like, hotel or whatever that we were staying in had, like, an arcade uh-huh. as part of it. And they had a Pac-Man arcade booth, I guess. I don't know what they're called. Machine? Was it just regular, regular Pac-Man? I think so. Maybe it was Ms. Pac- I think it was Ms. Pac-Man. Okay. And, um, and my dad was like, oh, they have Pac-Man. And we were all like, what's that? And he was like, you don't know? And so he, like, showed us this game, and I became obsessed with it. And I played it so much on that vacation that I got a blister on my finger (laughs) from the joystick. That's right. I'd forgotten that. (laughs) And um, anyway, so. And here's the bummer. Yeah. If you could have 
taken those friends who were such dicks about you not being good at mm-hmm. other console games, if mm-hmm. you could have been like, let me introduce you to my friend Ms. Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. You'd have eaten their shorts. Yep. You'd have showed them what a real high score was. <laughs> but no, Pac-Man wasn't on an and NES or a Super Nintendo. Right. I couldn't play it at home. That's why I had to play it as much as possible on it that was, trip. It was on the Atari 5200, which mm-hmm. you did not have. Nope. But we did. But you did. Yep. And uh, my favorite game on it was Moon Patrol because it had the coolest music. Like, the Moon Patrol, like, little, like, MIDI music remains in my brain like this iconic little ditty. Yeah, how does it go? I'm not going to sing it into the (laughs) microphone. That's illegal. You should really sing it into the microphone. I'm not gonna. That is illegal. (laughs) Um, I might splice it in. We'll see. I'm jotting down about the time. We'll see whether or not I bother to splice it in so that listeners can hear the Moon Patrol music. It ruled. But that was one of my favorite games. Um, even though I wasn't very good at it. But one of my favorite stories about the Atari 5200 is that my mom was really good at one game and one game only centipede (laughs) and it was the only one we could convince her to play and she'd get on and she'd like dominate kick ass for like (laughs) multiple levels and like just just show everyone who's the boss in centipede she would not play any other games and she would, would only do it like under duress but it was always exciting when we got her to play centipede because she was a pro but then like as we got older and you know me and my siblings would be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to get a Nintendo? Oh, wouldn't it be cool to have a Sega Genesis? My parents would always be like, we have video games. (laughs) They're right there. It's the Atari 5200. We have all the video games you could ever need. Mm -hmm. You can go play Asteroids. (laughs) And it's like, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. Did they let you get a Game Boy? No, I never had a Game Boy. Mm. I think if I had saved up for it, mm-hmm. they would have let me purchase one. But those little shits were expensive. Mm. Game Boys were like three or four hundred bucks. Oh, yikes. They were really expensive. So, no, I never had a, big, a Game Boy. What I had were a lot of those like little LCD, like single-use game things like the tiger electronic style games Mm -hmm. i had a bunch of those i thought those were so cool because at least it was like a portable game i could play sure those were cool but they're not actually yeah i had some kind of little portable game like that on a keychain but i can't for the life of me remember what it was oh yeah but i know what you're talking about but it was one of those little lcd ones yeah nice Mm-hmm. It wasn't a Tamagotchi, though. That's a different no, thing. No, no, that's different. I hated Tamagotchis. I never had one. Why did you hate Tamagotchis? Because everyone had them. So, <laughs> strike number one. <laughs> okay, okay. But also, like, kids would get in trouble for bringing them to school because they would, like, beep and, like, be distracted. Like, you know, this is before cell phones, right? These were, like, yeah. pro- proto, proto-personal devices that were disruptive to the learning environment. Because it would be like, I poop, clean up my poop, clean up my poop. <laughs> yeah. Or, and like, you'd be you like, to, like, shut feed, that thing up. Or you had to, like, feed it regularly or it would die. Uh-huh. And so I remember there being stories about, like, moms who, like, were keeping, like, taking care of their 
kids' Tamagotchis when their kids were at school so they wouldn't die. And it was just like... Oh, gosh. I thought it was ridiculous. I thought Tamagotchi were cool. Um, we got a knockoff Tamagotchi. Of you know you we did. didn't get brand name Tamagotchi. Yeah. We got knockoff Tamagotchi. Uh, I don't ever remember them dying, though. I felt like you could. Get, Maybe the knockoff ones I feel were like you were could hardier. coast. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you could coast on benign neglect, just feeding and cleaning the poop up occasionally, and they would survive just fine. Mm. But. I don't know. Maybe it was just because they were a knockoff. Maybe they, you know, they had a harder life. They were hardier. They weren't those like pillow princesses that are the Tamagotchis. They're <laughs> just like take care of me. Yeah. Yeah. So then we just never had one growing up either. We never had consoles. So I was a computer game kid. Sure. What computer games did you play? Um. So we would go to All a Dollar. Mm-hmm. Because the all a dollar store, which it was event- it eventually turned into Dollar Tree, but it, at the time it was called All a Dollar, which mm-hmm. was such a great name because <laughs> it's fun to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would sell discs of shareware games. Okay. And so we would just buy those and like just play whatever the hell. <laughs> so like, there are so many weird janky shareware games that I've played the first third of <laughs> because that was what I bought for a dollar on a floppy disk at all a dollar. So like Raptor Call of the Shadows, which is like this it's a uh it's like a shoot 'em up. It's like a like a like a flight game so you play like a little you're like a little like F15 and you're just constantly shooting and things are coming on you have to like evade bullets while you're shooting everything else um I really liked that game uh Jill of the Jungle was one of those that we had back then uh original flavor Duke Nukem and Duke Nukem 2 uh and famously this was also the era when I bought myself Wolfenstein and Doom and I would play Wolfenstein and Doom and those games rule doom remains probably the greatest first person shooter ever made and i know that's quite a claim for a game from 1994 but there's simply no other game that is as much fun to just pick up and play 30 years after it came out like a game still rules um it's still fun to play and people are still making levels for it literally today that's wild because it's got a really expansive like tool set and is still supported and is totally in the public domain People are just constantly making the weirdest shit imaginable in Doom. Uh, and if you've bought Doom for like $7, you can play like every WAD. Like it's a .wad, so it's called a WAD file. There's literally hundreds of thousands of them that you can download and play. It's wild. Um, but I would play Doom and Wolfenstein... And my little sister Natalie hated that I would play these games. Why? Because she thought they were too violent. <laughs> this is the same sister that loves horror movies now? Look. <laughs> it is, in fact, the same sister who loves horror movies now. But she thought they were too violent. And so one time she was mad at me, so she narked. She ratted me out to my parents that I had Doom and Wolfenstein. And so then my parents pulled me aside And they were like, what are these games? What do you do in these games? And I was like, because they're like, Natalie said that you kill people in these games. And I was like, 
No, in Doom you're killing like zombies and they like like floating monster heads and like flaming skulls and like mm-hmm. weird spider monsters. Like that's the sort of stuff you're killing in Doom. Like it's not people. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, "What's this Wolfenstein game? Who do you kill in that?" And I was like, "Nazis. You don't kill people. <laughs> you're killing Nazis." So even young Eden understood. <laughs> That when you subscribe to that virulent fascism, you no longer are a person. You have become something else. Oh, Needless to say, my parents did not like that logic. <laughs> did not like the logic of, no, that's still a people's. Um, so I did get in trouble. Good for your parents. <laughs> I don't know if my parents listen to this, but if they do, I think it's important to tell them. I lied to them and said I uninstalled those games. <laughs> I hid them in another folder. And didn't play them when Natalie the Snitch was around. Classic. Cause you know who never snitched? Nessa. Hey, thumbs up, Vanessa. If you listen to this, you never snitched on me. <laughs> you were cool. <laughs> I don't know if any of them listen to this. I love you too, Natalie, but you did snitch on me that one time back in like 1997. And so. more than just that one time. I mean, yeah, for sure. but that one for sure. <laughs> that that betrayal, the betrayal of 98. <laughs> Or whenever the hell As it, it was. has come to be known. Whatever, whatever year it was. Who cares? <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. It's wild. Yeah. Um, so what sort of games do you like to play these, ga- these days? Um, do you need to take that call? Um, I don't. I don't know why it's buzzing. I have it on Do Not Disturb. That's weird. Yeah. It's the police calling. <sighs> police calling to say your spouse killed nazis in a video game in 1997 <laughs> and then subsequent many years since because wolfenstein keeps being remade um you asked me what games i'm playing now yeah so like you didn't grow up playing a lot of Mm-mm. console games no and i still don't do really. do you need to tell the story of my great sin Oh, uh, yeah, so one of, uh, yet another reason that I don't play console games is the very first fight we ever had was about a console game. It's true. Yeah. Mistakes were made. Yeah. Why don't you tell that story? Because it's for you to tell. <laughs> so we were at a friend's house playing Mario Party? No. Mario Kart? New Super Mario Brothers Wii. See, I don't even know. I'm just like, Mario was in it. Mario wasn't. <laughs> And your sister Nessa was visiting, and the two of you just kept talking about how bad you were at that game, when in fact you were the best ones in the room at that game. No, Jacob was far better than we were. All right, well, it was his game, so point proven, right? When people own the game, they're always the best at it. It's true. And uh, and the way that the game works is that you have like your little party of people but whoever's in front like pushes the screen and so if you don't keep up with the rest of the group then your person disappears off the screen and then you inevitably die because you can't see what's happening around you because you're uh-huh. not on the screen anymore. Uh-huh. So I kept dying like that, which is incredibly frustrating. And uh, and you did not say, hey, let's wait for Cassie. <laughs> and it was infuriating. And we thought about it later. I was I felt um, neglected. I don't know if that's the right word. I, I felt like I didn't matter. And it was embarrassing in front of all of our friends. And I was mad at you about it. That's fair. Yeah. It was not very nice of me. 
It was not. I'd like to think that in the subsequent many, many years, <laughs> since this happened before we were even married, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to think I'm a little better about those sorts of things nowadays. I wouldn't know. I've never played that game with you again. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know that I've played that game since then. So we got it. When we got a Wii, we got that game. I don't think I ever even put it in the console because it like came with it. But I Sure. Negative, negative emotions attached to the new Super <laughs> Mario, Mario Brothers Wii, and now all of Mario. Also, it's not a very good game. <laughs> it's a bad Mario game. It's not a good me- game mechanic. No, that one specifically, like, because you could like do the button to put yourself in a bubble, and then you would like float and meet up with the rest of the team. If but like, you know that secret. it's not, it's not clear <laughs> that that's what you can do. And like, we weren't very good about explaining it, but also we should have just waited for you instead of like running onward. Yes. It was, it was, a, it was a jerk move. Lessons were learned. Yep. So that soured you forever on Mario. Now, whenever you see that guy, you're like, no. Mario, you're dead to me. Mario in a movie? Never. I'll never watch that movie. Even if it was Charles Martinet instead of Chris Chris Pratt Pratt. doing the voice. I'll never watch it. So, like, what? how has your relationship with games changed, though, now? Because I feel like you play more games now than when we first got married. You still don't play games as much as I do. You're more of a -a watch-a-show person than a -a play-a-game person. Uh Uh-huh. Um... Well, was it you who introduced me to Plants vs. Zombies on yeah. the iPad? Yeah. Because we were given, right after we got married, or right before we got married. We got a hand-me-down iPad. We got, yeah, we got a first-gen iPad from your dad because he got a second or third gen. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had played Plants vs. Zombies on the PC and thought it was really just a delightful, charming mm-hmm. game. And I knew it was on the iPad, so I bought it for our iPad. Mm-hmm. And then... You started playing it. Yeah, and I loved it. I love, and and I still love it. And I love that the plant names are punny. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. I just... What do you think you like? Because that's like a tower defense game to a certain degree. Yeah. Like, it's not like the kind where you put them up and then, like, people walk a circuit that they're getting hit by all sides. It's more of a, like, wave-based like mm-hmm. tower defense but what what appeals to you about that game um i think i like the planning and i like the strategy but i also like that there isn't like once the combat piece starts there isn't a lot of like stuff like swiping and things that you need to do you're just like the mechanic is the same you're just planting things uh-huh. and so it's like not complicated it's not like what what is like the cheat code where it's like a A B A B B yeah you know like there's none of uh-huh. there's none of that oh I thought of another computer game what's that <laughs> I played as a kid my friend two doors over had a game called Chips Challenge and it was Chips Challenge. and it was a game that we would play together and you were this little character Chip and you had to collect different colored keys to like defeat each level uh-huh. and each level had like different challenges <laughs> and the the cheat code thing reminded me because there's one level that is a uh, like an ice skating level uh-huh. and it had different um uh like backstop things or like because you would just go straight until you like ran into Hit something someone, yeah, yeah. And so the ice skating level, I remember her older brother, like, figured out how to beat it because you had to do, like, a very specific 
directional order in order to get the key and then get to unlock the key to go to the next level. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. So, anyway. So, so it's like a logic puzzle sort of platformer? Yeah, and there, it, like, it was like sort of like mazes and there were also like... I don't know. It, this was like in fourth grade. Sure. Uh, but I remember specifically the ice skating level because we could not figure it out. And then and then her brother Brian was like, here's the secret. And I don't know how he figured it out. But Okay. Um, anyway, but I like Plants vs. Zombies because there's not like secret cheat codes. or Like Plants vs. Zombies 2, which is what I am playing now, has a lot more of that kind of like power-ups and stuff. Sure. But original Plants vs. Zombies, like, you could have a, a pretty solid strategy that, like, would work. Yeah. And, um... Well, and I felt like the success of that game came in your long-term planning and preparation more than, like, split-second decisions. Yes. Because, like, you could not make enough split-second decisions to recover from, like, fatal planning errors. Yeah, like, if you, you didn't could, get enough sun at the beginning, like... Or if you, you wasted it on things that, like, didn't end up being useful. Like, yeah. you put things in a lane that wasn't a good lane to put it in, right. or... Or, um, like, they would have different levels where... Uh, like I remember one of the levels was you were on the roof of the house and uh-huh. so the roof had a slight pitch to it uh-huh. and so if you just use the pea shooters that just like shoot straight they wouldn't they couldn't hit, hit they wouldn't until hit the they zombies got over the top yeah. of the roof yeah and so you, you had, had to use the corn catapults or the, whatever yeah the, the cabbage pult <laughs> well I think it was corn in there's, the first there's game there's two. I don't remember. Was there cabbage in that first yeah. game, too? because the cabbage one just did regular damage, but then the corn one, every, like, fourth catapult was butter that would freeze them in That's place. That's right. Yeah. And I can't remember what the corn one is called. Maybe it's a cornipult. Corntipult or something. Yeah. Um, but then there was um, the walnuts that, like, would would stop them. And the, and the tall nuts. And the tall nuts that would get the floating zombies. And the spike weed that would cause damage as they walked over them. And anyway, so I like all the all the different like tools, but I also like that like you can find your pretty solid ones and like for the most part, like just do that. Uh-huh. Um and yeah. So I think that's what I like about it. And so you've been you had not played it for years and years, right. but when we were recently <laughs> again visiting your family, mm-hmm. your nephew was like is like plants versus zombies obsessed yes like when, to the point where like when he wasn't allowed to be playing video games when, when his screen time was used up for the day he would he would make, make paper copies and then make you play it and he would <laughs> yeah. make all of the sound effects and like move them back and forth and be like <laughs> yep oh and here's the big boss and yeah yeah it's pretty great but yeah and so you talked me up about how good i was at plants versus zombies <laughs> And so I asked him if I could play a level on his iPad, but because it was his iPad, he, like, couldn't just watch me play it. He, like, started to also play it, and so then it was just like, okay, you are playing this level. So I downloaded it on my phone so that he could watch me play it, and, and that was actually pretty fun. And you're still playing it, right? I am still playing it. I'm on the... So the Plants vs. Zombie 2, the premise is that it's time traveling. Uh-huh. And so I'm on the, like, 80s, the 80s level. You've been to, like, pirate times and ancient Egypt and uh, all sorts of other see. places. I, I, ancient Egypt is the first one. And 
shoot, I can't remember them all. There's like, yeah, like, there's like prehistoric times. There's also, oh, I can't, I can't even remember now. You would think in a world that had this many zombies for this long, eventually the humans would stop. <laughs> eventually the zombies would win, right? Sometimes they do eat your brains, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, I know. I think I think the idea with the time traveling is that well, I guess the zombies are from that time, and you are just the one jumping around. So yeah, the the storyline leaves something to be desired. <laughs> I mean, it always kind of did because yeah. it was always just your weird neighbor Dave giving you weird crap yeah. to put in your yard. Well, in the first in the first game in Plants vs Zombies, he's called Crazy Dave, and then the, in Plants vs Zombies Two, he's called User Dave, which is weird. User Dave. Yeah. But then sometimes they still call him Crazy Dave, and I'm like, was this a search and replace failure? <laughs> That's weird. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's a game that I play on my phone now. Uh-huh. And then also Stardew Valley on our Switch. Sure. Which I just call our Stardew Valley machine. It's about the only thing we use it for, because I really don't like the controllers on it, so I yeah. avoid using the Switch. Yeah. And so it's really just the Stardew machine. Mm-hmm. And then, But then also, uh, what's that house one? that we House been? Flipper. House Flipper. Yeah, I was playing that for a while on it. But then I got discouraged because you got House Flipper for... the computer and it has way more expansions than the one for the switch and so then i got jealous of all the cool stuff you could do and i stopped playing it (laughs) that's fair i have that steam deck now maybe i should install it on there and you can fiddle around with oh yeah luxury flipper and hgtv flipper and pet flipper i was just on the one where you can get pets (laughs) they're very cute yeah you want to you want the one where you can live in that converted uh a train car. Train car. Yes. With like the boxcar children. With your two dogs. That's exactly that's all I've like ever I wanted. Was, like I was living that life for a while. Yep, um, or on the moon. And then I well, I sold the train car to move to the moon and the moon sucked and I was like, <laughs> I hate this. I want the train car back, but I sold it. It was too late. It was too late. Mm-hmm. You have to beat the whole game to unlock <laughs> the ability to buy any of the other ones and it's like I guess I'm done and I haven't touched the game since. <laughs> Once I found out that's what it would cost to get the train back, I was mm-hmm. like, I guess I'm done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then let's see. What else? Um, oh, on my phone I have that match game, the Unicorn Match. Unicorn 2048. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've gotten up to one octopus, which I think is right before the unicorn. We don't know what numbers they are because she uses these... <laughs> This unicorn twenty forty eight uses an inscrutable animal become other animal system. Because it's so like, there's no way of knowing how close you're getting to actually like, twenty forty eight. It's like sheep and then pigs and then a, chickens and then a fox. Oh no, it's chickens and then pigs and then fox and then sheep and then cow and then camel and then panda. There's no way of knowing. And then monkey. <laughs> And then crab, <laughs> and then octopus. I think. Uh. I have no idea. What little time I've spent playing Twenty Forty Eight, I played with numbers so yeah. that I could know what needed to go to what. Yeah, I used to screenshot every time I got to the crab because I was so proud. No, it was the octopus. It was the octopus. 
and uh, and they have, and that has been years now. <laughs> since have you I seen have, an octopus? No, no, no. That I, ha- I like. Since You've been I, playing since, it for years. Since I like first got to the octopus, and sure. like I have not progressed past the octopus. Sure. Um, it's your high water mark. Yeah, it is. It is rough, but it's like the game that I play when I just like need to be doing something so that I can pay attention to something else. For sure. Um. And then also, like, word games, because Wordle became a big thing. Uh And then stopped playing Wordle and started playing Quirtle, which is Wordle times four. Uh And also Waffle, which is, like, a crossword Wordle-type game. Uh And also Samantle, which you hate but are great at. It's the worst game ever made. And yet... You, I don't care how you good win I win it. it. It doesn't matter. It's still the worst <laughs> game ever made because it's inscrutable. And the choices of how words are connected are not made by human. <laughs> they're, they're made by extraterrestrial life. They're made by dancer. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Yeah. So that is, and that's like all that I do is just those games. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners to this podcast know that I play a lot of RPGs. Yep. Because I like to play RPGs. I used to think I was like a person who was into shooters, but I'm not very good at those these days. Yeah. Because, especially on a console, like, it's hard to do shoot, like, especially first person shooters, it's hard to play those on, with a, with a controller, I feel like. I think controllers are hard to use in general, so... I think for me it depends on the game. Like there's other, there's some things that I feel like are way easier to use on the controller. Like Final Fantasy fourteen is so much fun, more easy to play and even more fun to play on a controller than it is with a keyboard and mouse. But like some other stuff, it's just like I need a mm-hmm. this is precision aiming. I need <laughs> I need a mouse for this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. Uh, I like I like playing video games. I like role playing games a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what I play. Just like I was looking you, you, at the list. You of, like them for the stories. I do. I and if it's, the story's not very good, I, that well, here's the thing. The bar is lower for a video game than other media, unfortunately. Like what I think is like a great story in video games would make like a perfectly mid movie. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Which is a shame. Like, there are just so few games where you can really be like, no, the writing in this is really standout. In, like, irrespective of the media. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's just not the case. Most video games are not very well written. <laughs> Which is a shame. But I do still like a lot of them for their stories. And that's basically what I like to do is play games that have good good for games stories yep you like the stories and you like the outfits there are three things that i love in an rpg story romance and fashion and those are my big three and if a game can hit all three of those is she's gonna is she gonna sneeze (laughs) she's thinking about it oh it feels like it but yeah if a game can hit all three of those it's like one of the best games ever made and so, is there a game that hits all three? Uh, all three of those is hard to come by because usually you get two and not the other. The games with good. There we go. Thank you. Got it. I feel like the games with good romances rarely have good fashions. Interesting. And the games with good fashions 
rarely have romance. Mm. Do you know what games have a lot of romance and it is too much romance? <sighs> is those um, novel... The visual novels? Visual novels. That's literally all visual novels. Ah. Here is the thing about visual novels. Hit me. I have played a couple of them on my phone. Sure. I can't remember choices, choices. I think. Yeah, the, and it had like different types of storylines where it could be like fantasy or uh-huh. like realistic fiction. Or here's the one where or you're sci-fi. trying to get the prince to fall in love with yeah. you. And here's the like sort of weird horror-y one. And yeah. here's the one where you're like the rising social media star. Yeah, but here is my problem with all of those. Hit me. Well, there's a couple things. But the biggest thing is that every person wants to date you. So there is, like, no Everyone challenge. is player sexual. Yes. Yes. And so there's nobody that you could be like, hey, I'm into you. And they'd be like, oh, let's just be friends. Because all of them are like, I'm into you, too. And it's like, yeah. okay. That is a thing that... That's actually, like, a thing that has been kind of hotly debated in the last couple of years in video games. Mm-hmm. Because there has been a move, especially as, like... Um, social mores about gender and sexuality have gotten a little looser and like it is more normal in a video game for you to you know have a queer relationship rather than a hetero relationship sure yep um and so i obviously i think that's great as Mm -hmm. a queer person Mm -hmm. i think this is great um but uh a lot of games that like in the past it would have been like oh well if you play as a male character then you can romance this person this person and this person if you play as a female character you can romance that person that person and that person these being two separate camps right um but as those lines have kind of blurred most games i feel like have taken this the tack of saying everyone is bi yeah any person who is a potential love interest, regardless of your your gender as the player character, mm-hmm. will and can be interested in you. Yeah. Well, and my thing is, like, I think that's great, but it feels like there should be some kind of, some kind, and maybe this is asking too much, but it feels like you should only be able to romance a certain number of people at a time, because <laughs> in the visual novels... Like, you can just, like, flirt with everyone. And you yeah. can just, like, hook up with everyone. Well, that's not true in other games. Yeah. Like, again, just to talk about a game that we were just, that I was just playing earlier, Starfield, mm-hmm. has four main companions. You can get other, like, hire other people for your crew and they can be companions. But there's four main story companions. And all of them are potential love interests. And so during my playthrough, I romanced Andreja because she was the one I liked most. She Mm -hmm. seemed the coolest. She has this cool asymmetrical outfit. And you know asymmetry. (laughs) Asymmetry and an accent? Baby, I'm here for you. Um, So Andreja was the one I went with. Also, Sarah, who was the other one who I was maybe going to date. Too much of a goody two-shoes. She was so hoity-toity about, like, she was like, you can make whatever choices you want, and then you do the same, like, you steal one med 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 pack from a bad guy, and she's like, I can't believe you'd steal something, and you're like, dog, it's from a bad guy! She's too lawful good for you? She's too lawful good for me. Mm. Andreja, who is, like, a secret agent sent by the weird, like space religion people hiding in the depths of deep space she was cool but one of the things that was interesting is that like as you just as you were like getting closer to her and you were like hey i like you i want to make a commitment to you she'd be like yeah we gotta have a discussion about this i do not share 
So, if you if you're cool with monogamy, we can keep talking about this. If you want to date other people, you can date other people that do not include me. <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting that uh-huh. like she explicitly says when you go down a romance uh, tree with her, mm-hmm. you like build that relationship with her. She's like, "Dog, I am a monogamy person." Mm-hmm. So like, you want to go date other people too? Great. I'm not going to be one of your fucking paramours then. Like, mm-hmm. I don't do that. Sure. And like, obviously, I just went, I, I was like, cool. I respect that. Let's get married. <laughs> we did whatever it took to get married in that game. And then every time you'd like go click on her, it started to get a little annoying because she'd be like, every day, every day I see you, my day is better. Or something like <laughs> shit like that. And it, well, it's cute at first. Then by the end, you're like. Yeah, I get it. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm amazed. It's fine. It's, it's fine. You don't have to tell me how great I am literally every time I click on you, babe. Um, but I, from what I read, like, online, like, if you do, like, start that relationship and then you do start going and dating someone else, you have a very uncomfortable confrontation with her <laughs> where she comes and she's like, you made a promise to me uh-huh. and you broke it. Uh-huh we're done good for and then she's like mad at you for a few days afterwards but then she becomes like neutral to you because she's still like part of the like seems wild but okay you can only do so much (laughs) there's only so many things you can program in a game with a thousand planets in it and i guess that was not one of their major focuses is keep andreja pissed off at the player character if they cheat on her but uh yeah. I did think it was interesting that that is explicitly in the game, just like you were talking about. Like, there are other games where, sure, you can date everyone. Yeah, well, but I mean, this is one where it's like, and but that leads me to wonder: like, are other characters cool with it? Like, can you date Sarah and Barrett at the same time, and both of them are like, yeah, it's fine, we're cool. I'm trying to remember because I because one of the other things that I didn't like about choices was that it uh, had like timing as part of it. So well, though that game could, was like it was a pay to play at a certain point. It became almost predatory because it was like, oh, do you want to get the good scene? You have to have a certain number of gems. Yeah, and also like, do you want the best outfit for this event that you're yeah, going you to? Yeah, you want things to go better. Yeah, by putting on the bell dress instead <laughs> of this extremely plain Jane like, yeah. like taffeta thing. Yeah, and because um, that's that's gonna be twenty gems. And then also to go to the next chapters, you needed keys, uh-huh. and so and you only got keys every like certain number of like, every two hours of, or some of shit like, like real time hours. Uh-huh. And um, and I think it was more than two hours, but um, but maybe not. Maybe I just don't have any patience. <laughs> and um, and so then those are things that you could buy with like real money uh-huh. to keep playing the games. And um, and I didn't I didn't I don't like games that do that. So, but it's just like that model. It feels predatory to me. Yeah, because it's so easily exploited, or not exploited. It so easily exploits a person who really wants to have the best story and who like really falls for these characters and is yeah, like, it, it, I really want this. It, I want to have. I want to have them. My main character have the best experience they can in this game. It's going to cost me like $20 in gems in order to pick the best gem thing in every single thing. But there's not an option to be like, 
I will pay you $20 to unlock every choice and just let me play it as many times as I want and see every choice that I want because I gave you $20 fucking dollars. Right, yeah, and so it feels like it it is taking advantage of the, like, most loyal players. Yeah. And And that, to me, is what sucks about it, is it's like, well, I really like this game that you made, and now... You're making me pay you more money than people who are like casual players of this game that get to play for free? Yeah, well, and it becomes like those, that model of game funding fundamentally relies on whales. Mm. People who pay hundreds or thousands of dollars right. for the game which like which is, is not good unethical <laughs> yeah i don't think it's or, ethical or like people whose kids are playing these games and the parents don't realize that their kids are spending yeah. real money in these games and then they end up spending like i had a friend who or i, I shouldn't say it, i had uh an acquaintance <laughs> who whose kid spent like a thousand dollars on like an i like in the process of playing an ipad game and she had no idea until the credit card bill came and there was nothing that she could yeah. do about it because it was real money that had been authorized you and know and that he had used in the game right exactly to so unlock there was like nothing to refund. fortnite skins or whatever right and like that is what (laughs) and i do know that like and this was many years ago and so like there are more like protections for things like that so that doesn't happen with like your kid is playing your game or whatever but the fact remains but still yeah it's really messed up yes well we should probably wrap up this chat yeah um is there anything else about video games you want to tell people before you leave as our guest host for the (laughs) for the app um, if you are bad at video games, don't feel bad. Video games are bad. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> They're not intuitive. and it's, That's true. The, like, the controllers are not obvious what buttons do what. and Unless you have... A, it, it takes institutional knowledge in order for it to be intuitive. Yeah. Because, like, if you've played a lot of games, then it does become intuitive. And, like, you load up a game and you are on an Xbox controller and you're like why is the jump button and guess what why is the jump button which makes zero sense why is why jump what does why how do why and jump connect it's the top of the four the bottom one is always like select the right one is always like dodge or menu or things like that the top one is always jump it makes no sense I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's weird. But here it is. Um, but yeah, so we can wrap that episode here. Um, my last thing that I will say yeah. about video games. If anyone ever wants to play Final Fantasy XIV, hit me up, baby! <laughs> I will take you through. My beautiful bunny girl will take you through all the dungeons if you want to play Final Fantasy XIV. I love it. It's a lot of game and it takes about 50 hours before it gets really good which is the worst possible way to sell a video game to someone to be like hey about 50 hours in this game gets really good and then is good for like 250 hours after that but like A I'm telling you the game takes 300 hours to play B the first 50 hours is not very good and also if you try Final Fantasy 14 and you don't like it that's also okay. that's totally okay <laughs> Cassie gave it a try for one night didn't care for it stopped playing yeah I did it Peter on the, gave it a it. try for one night stopped playing that's fine I tried it on a computer because I was like video game controllers make no sense to me maybe I could play it on a on a computer and I kind of could but I 
Didn't, you just didn't have fun. You yeah. weren't having fun. Yeah. It did not pull me in. Which is fair. Mm-hmm. But if anyone wants to try, <laughs> I'm here for you. Or if you're already playing. Or if you're you already playing. Level up. And you want just someone to, like, goof around with, let me know. Mm-hmm. So we'll wrap it there. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, as always, if you have any uh, anything you'd like to share with us, you can always email us at feedback at the middleofculture.com. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another goofy episode, I think, probably about video game RPG ranking and pitting one RPG against another RPG in the most capricious and arbitrary ways possible. You won't want to miss it. No, it'll be fun. (laughs) It'll be fun and goofy. All right. See you all in a couple of weeks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming, Cassie. It was a delight. (laughs)